take your Bibles, turn to Jonah. We're still there. But we are starting the fourth chapter. We are in the home stretch. We've only probably got maybe three more weeks or so of Jonah. Uh, let me remind you that next week we won't have uh, service, evening service. You will maybe be with your Sunday school class at your Sunday school fellowship uh, that night, and, and you may not, and that is truly, certainly your prerogative, but we want you to use that time as a fellowship time. And then the next Sunday, which is February 12th, thank you, uh, we will begin our optional e-groups. We'll still have worship in here. Uh, I will still be leading through the last three parts of Jonah, but then you will also have other e-groups, other discipleship groups you can attend. Uh, sign up is in the back. I don't know where they are exactly, uh, where they're going to be meeting. Um, I know Lee is leading the men's group. Etta is me- leading the ladies group. Tom is leading the youth group. Faye is leading the... No, no, I'm sorry. I just went... I, I just jumped to uh, uh, when, uh, Bible... Winter retreat. Yeah, I'll stop there because I've stepped off in it here. Uh, those are your options. So you'll have actually, oh, and the Sunday school is going through a uh, Sunday school leadership Bible study as well. Sunday school teachers. Uh, so you have five options. Well, adults, you have four options now on Sunday night beginning in two weeks. So uh, make your choices. Sign up so we know who's coming. Uh, we'll do these six weeks of e-groups, then we'll wait a few weeks, maybe probably till actually the summer so we can get past Easter, and then we'll probably do another round of them, then maybe uh, a round in the fall. So we'll, we'll keep doing this interchangeably, adding those options uh, as, as they present themselves. But tonight, we are beginning chapter four in Jonah, Jonah and the All About Me Church. We looked at some of that, uh, we got a little further along in it last week, and we kind of ended with... Uh, Jonah's, well, not getting what he wanted. Tonight we get to learn why. Um, We forget, I think, I do. I've read Jonah a number of times, and as a matter of fact, Jonah was one of my uh, doctoral seminars. When I was doing my doctoral work, uh, my classwork anyway, uh, we went through Jonah. And I forget that when we get to this, these three verses, Jonah admits why he's mad. He doesn't hide it. It's, it's, it's great, great stuff. Uh, Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, let's read w- w- verses 1 through 3, rather. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, and this is it, this is the kicker. Please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. You remember that last week? Was it last week? Did we, we had, yeah, I can't remember if I was on vacation last week or two weeks ago. Uh, I've slept since then. Last week, remember, we talked about how Jonah is like the only preacher ever in the history of the world to get mad that the, his sermon worked, that, that people were, were convicted and revival broke out and, and Jonah gets upset. And, and we, for the first three chapters, we can only 
speculate what his deal is. Uh, but then he, he actually tells us what he did, his deal is in verse 2. But even then, we do have some speculation, and we'll get to that in a minute. Verse 1, though, the language here is, is actually that of throwing a temper tantrum. This is not just Jonah is frustrated. Jonah is a three-year-old kicking and screaming. We had one of those today at nap time. Uh, kicking and screaming and angry and nothing's going to make him happy. That's what Jonah is doing. Because people repented. Let's not miss that fact. I, you know, I, I, I've heard stories and, and I, too many stories for all of them to be fables or myths of churches who had revivals who, 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 who intentionally went out and reached people with the gospel. And people responded to the gospel and they got saved. And they came to church and learned they weren't welcome at that church. What? God help them. Exactly right. Because they primarily, you know, we do live in the South. Maybe because they had the wrong skin color. Well, we don't let that kind come to our, our church. Y'all don't ever, I don't expect to hear that from you. Don't ever let me hear that. I won't, I, I'll promise I won't hit you. That's about the only promise I can make. There is no one who is not welcome through our doors. Saved or unsaved. Y'all, there is no one who cannot come through that door asking to hear the word of God. And if we start saying there's some people that aren't, I'm gone. I'm not welcome here either. If anybody's not welcome here, I'm not. That's the day I resign. Now, some of y'all can't just come up to me and tell me that just to see if I'll resign. No, it's not going to work that way. I'm not that stupid. But if that, you know, that, that's, that's what we, he, that's Jonah. He is so mad that the wrong people got, I'm going to use this phrase. We talked about this a few weeks ago, got saved. He is so mad that the wrong people responded to the revival that he is out of his mind. The, the language is, uh, here is wells up from the depths of his being. This is totally irrational temper tantrum that he's throwing. It is absolutely ridiculous. This is the kind of thing that if it's a child, you finally walk away from the child and say, well, you'll get over it eventually because there's no talking to them. There's no spanking them out of it. There's no hugging them out of it. There's, it is completely irrational. That's where Jonah is because of a revival. We cannot hammer that point enough. I, I, no, I don't think we're there. I'm not in even in really trying to imply that we are. But it is amazing how close we can come sometimes with our attitudes toward who might come to church, who might be reached with the gospel. And we can never even come close to that attitude. Verse 2, basically Jonah yells at God. He gets mad and, 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 and he, he stays as... As it's written, he, he he doesn't call God names or anything. As a matter of fact, the names that he calls God are actually good names. He he describes God accurately, but this is this is an angry prayer. Um, I will give him credit, and we should give him credit. He goes; he is right to go to God with his anger. When you're upset about something, God does. God's the one you need to go to. Now, your upsetness is, uh, and I know that's not a word, but I like it, 
uh, your upsetness is very likely irrational and pointless. He's God and you're not. But when you have felt betrayed by God, when you feel like God has not done something that you think he should have, God's the one you should go to. You can talk to anybody else you want to, and they can either commiserate or tell you you're dumb, but it doesn't matter. God's the one that you need to go to about that. So he's right to go to God. It's interesting how he says his prayer. Remember, chapter 2 is a, a, a psalm prayer that Jonah prays. And he begins his psalm, uh, his prayer, My God, I, I called to the Lord, he describes it, and he answered me, I cried for help, etc., etc. He says, My God. God. Now he does not. He doesn't say my God. He doesn't put the possessive on there. He calls him by his uh, just just uses his name. It's it's uh, equivalent, I would say, to a child who normally calls his daddy, daddy, daddy. No, when he's mad, father. Or instead of Michael, it, Michael Boyd. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. That's he is. He's dropped the the affection. He's dropped the the uh, the love in his title. He doesn't. He's no longer his God. He's just God. And then we learn that he's had this conversation with God before. This is the gut kick. We wonder what his deal is for three chapters if we're reading it for the first time. What is Jonah's problem? And now we know. He told God he, he did not want this to happen. He tells him, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? I knew you were going to do this, God. I knew if I preached a message that you told me to, the, to the people you told me to preach it to, that they would respond in revival. I knew that would happen. And I also knew that if they responded in revival, you would relent. You wouldn't bring destruction. I knew that was going to happen, God. And then he goes on to say why he knew that would happen in the second half of uh, verse 2. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. These two words are only used of God throughout Scripture. It, it almost, it, it sounds worshipful. Don't be confused. Jonah is accusing God of being these things. He's not praising God for being these things. It's almost like, God, how dare you have compassion and mercy? This is covenant language used for Israel. That's the kind of language that Jonah is describing God with. He goes on to say, uh, God is slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. This is the description that God used of himself after the idolatry in the desert. When uh, Moses was up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments and they built the calf. Moses comes down, finds it, busts the, the Ten Commandments, grinds up the idol. They have to drink uh, the ground up gold in, uh, in some water. He goes back up, and God then describes himself to Moses, re-covenanting with the people, saying, basically, I know what's gone on. I know, what is, I know the hearts of the people, and yet I am still a faithful God. I am slow to anger. I'm abounding in faithful love. He's telling them that despite their sinfulness, he still loves them. Well, what really ticks Jonah off here is Jonah didn't believe that these attributes should be wasted on Nineveh. It was all about him. It was all about his church. God, you, you said you would bless Israel. 
you are our uh, gracious God. You are our compassionate God. You are our slow to anger God. You are our abounding in faithful love God. You're not Nineveh's God. These aren't attributes you're supposed to use on anybody else but Israel. Uh, we, we don't use the same terminology today in our churches like that. But we, we have a tendency to look across the street, uh, the street at the other church. Now, I know uh, we actually have one across the street. I'm not meaning necessarily hinting. This is metaphorical. But we wonder why he uses, well, God, you're, you're supposed to bless us. Why are you blessing that church? Maybe because they fell down in repentance before God and he responded to that repentance and, and, and blessed them and brought them revival. Maybe that's why that church is, quote, being blessed and, and our church isn't. And churches do that over and over and over. We look across the street and say, God, don't waste your good things on those people. They're, they're wrong. Maybe they're of another denomination. Maybe they're uh, uh, of another flavor of Baptist or something like that. And we say, why? And God says, because I am gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. Because I forgive. Because I send revival. Because I do these things. Jonah says, these are ours alone. We are the same way other times when we, as I just said earlier, when we cringe at a skin color. I'm not just talking about coming in the doors. I'm talking about in life in general, anytime in a church we exclude those people, whoever those people are, y'all know who those people are. Those people are different for every person, but we all have those people that we want to exclude for whatever reason. And we are Jonah. We are Jonah sitting there telling God, your goodness, your gospel, your salvation isn't for them, it's for us. I'm, I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble finding that in my New Testament. Where, where salvation is only for us. Uh, when we begrudge someone the gospel, we're sitting in, in the same sort of judgment as Jonah. When we say we, we don't want to bother taking the gospel to, to them, whoever they are. For whatever our reasons are. See, that's, that, that's the thing. The, the reasoning doesn't matter behind it. If we sit and, and, and say that, no, don't, you don't have to say, if our actions show that we hold the belief that our salvation, our blessings from God are just for us, then we're doing what Jonah did. If we aren't willing to take the gospel to where it's needed, we're doing what Jonah did. Whether we use the words or not, whether we have the, the mindset of, uh, that he had or not, we are functionally being Jonah's and saying God is all about us. God is all about everybody. Uh, the last example I use have here is if we view the church as a fortress. Sometimes we, we come in here and we, we see the church, the four walls, as what? keep the world out oh finally we get in here where there's not all that bad stuff um i don't know about you but i checked my brain and all that bad stuff came right in with me i brought it all in i imagine y'all did too we're we're, we're not a, a fortress um you know we 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 have the idea that if we get in here we keep all the the diseases out we're carriers of the same disease. 
We're never going to keep sin out. So we've got to go out and attack it. There's, there's a very... These, are, these walls aren't... This isn't a castle that we defend. Uh, if I could, would compare it to anything, I think of the old war movies where you have uh, the, the, the flight director, general, whatever guy, and, and everybody's sitting there and they, they're learning their mission. And he's saying, gentlemen, we're going to be going over Japan or Germany. I like World War II movies. Uh, you know, we, we, this is our objective. These are who we're going after. This is what you're supposed to be doing. That's what this is. This is where we come and get our directive. This is where we come and get our, uh, our instruction, our, uh, our knowledge, so that we are prepared for the battle that we wage out there. This isn't where we come and huddle and keep out the world. That's what Jonah's religion was for him. It was Israel's. It was meant to keep everyone else out in his mind. When in fact, as I've said before, I think I've said it here. uh, Yeah, I have. Israel was always intended to be a missionary people. It was never God's intention to give Israel himself and for them to hoard it and for them to just be God's people and everybody else, well, they can go to hell. But that was the way Israel lived for, for, to a great extent. They did not want to export their faith. They wanted to huddle and protect it and get all the benefits from it and not share it. And sometimes we can do that in a church as well. And so Jonah then comes to the point where he says, I would rather die than see Nineveh survive I've, I've, uh, I've wondered I'm guessing here that Jonah went up and, and we know he preached for if you remember the discussion of the time frame the size of the city it was it was it would have taken him about three days to preach through the city that's what we mean by the what we think they meant he meant by the three-day journey but taken him three days to preach throughout the city by the end of the first day the city had its revival. So at that point, Jonah's walking around. He's seeing the sackcloth and ashes. He's probably now heard the, uh, the proclamation from the king and the nobles. And I'm guessing second day, he goes, and, and that's when he goes out. And uh, we, we find out here in a little while uh, he, that he has left the city, set up a, himself a little shelter, and he has the popcorn waiting to watch the fireworks. So the time frame, it looks like the time frame between the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of the chapter 4 is those 40 days. We hear the conversation with God and then the narrator or Jonah in verse 4. We're not going to get to that tonight. Verse 4 or verse uh, 5 rather tells us what has happened. This conversation is happening because Jonah left the city and he's been sitting out here waiting for the destruction to happen. And the destruction doesn't happen. Best we can tell. I mean, it's, it's possible that God told him. You know, I, God is not as, uh, well, I sometimes like to poke the bear, personally. I, I mean, I, I like to get the bear riled up and then, you know, know that there's a cage between me and the bear. And, oh, you know, yeah, that's, I think they call that animal cruelty. Um, uh, metaphorically, I like to poke the bear. I, I don't think God's like that. But I, sometimes I, I, I want to think that Jonah first day, end of the first day, beginning of the second day, he goes out and he builds a shelter and he's sitting up on the hill and he's waiting and he's got like, okay, I got 40 days to watch. We'll see what happens. And I, I just like to think that God said, 
I'm not going to do it. What? Yeah! What? That, that to me would be great. Uh, but I, I just want to antagonize Jonah a little bit. I think he probably just sat there and waited. And waited. And waited. As the people sat and waited. And waited. Their 40 days. Because they didn't know. Jonah didn't. We don't have a record of Jonah going back and saying, Hey guys, guess what? God called it off. We, we talked about last week. They probably waited those 40 days. And it was... When, they, when the sun came up on the 41st morning, I bet you could have heard those 120,000 plus people cheer all over the city. They had averted it. And as soon as, maybe maybe it was kind of like, uh, oh, there's a movie that comes to mind and I can't think of it, so I guess it won't be a good example. I can't think of the name of it, so it probably won't be a, a good example. Um, oh, Star Wars. I do remember what it was. It always goes back to Star Wars. Uh in the trash compactor, when Han and Luke and Leia and Chewie were in the trash compactor, they'd gotten thrown down, and C-3PO and R2-D2 are up in the control booth, and they're trying to get it to stop, and they, they, they're yelling and they're screaming because it's squeezing, it's squeezing, and, and they, it finally stops, and they start cheering, but C-3, uh, C-3PO misunderstands their cheering and think, oh, listen to them, they're, they're dying, and they're, oh, blessed, bless, uh, curse these uh, these bolts, uh, you know, and it, it, it was, they were okay. But it sounded to him like they were screaming in pain when actually it was a celebration. I wonder if Jonah, I wonder a lot about Jonah. I wonder if Jonah sitting on that hill, looking over the city, and here's 120,000 people scream on that morning, and he's thinking maybe back to uh, the, the, in, in, in Egypt when the angel of death passed through. He's like, they're waking up to find that everybody's dead. Then he realizes... They're cheering. It didn't happen. I don't understand him. I don't understand the anger over repentance. And yet, that's what he did. So he says, I would rather die. He would rather have death than see his enemy benefit from God's grace. That is a hugely, hugely? It's a bigly strong statement. Glad some of y'all got that. Uh, that that's really you would rather die than see God's grace spread on somebody else. Now, most of us would not choose to die, but people have left the church because God's grace went to the wrong people. Uh, people fight change because that's not. The, the, the wrong people might get grace. The wrong things might happen. Uh, people cause factions. They cause divisions. They cause turmoil. We worship our comfort. We worship our traditions just so we don't have the wrong people come. And sometimes the wrong people could mean anybody else. There didn't even have to be a, a label. I have, again, heard of churches that reach people with the gospel, the church grows. It's not those people that are coming. It's just people that are coming. Well, it's just not the church I used to go to. I don't know anybody anymore. There's just too many people now. This isn't right. And they do everything they can to get back to where it was. And nine times out of ten, they succeed. Because this church was all about them. For Jonah, God was all about him. 
God is all about them. Because we are them. We are they. It's not us versus them. It's, it's, it's us and them. Paul says, he names all these sins. Just labels them off. And, and if we're reading along with him, and we go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he says, and such were you. And we go, mm, oh. You know, the saddest part about that phrase, it's not sad, I guess maybe just the most realistic part, is not only such were some of us, if we were honest, such still are some of us. I'm going to go so far as to say such still are all of us. Horrible sentence. We are still all those things. One of us is one of those things. We, we encompass all of sinfulness right here. 55 people. Every sin you can think of, somebody here may have done it yesterday. Planning on doing it tomorrow. Certainly did it last week. Everything. Because we are them. God did not hold his, withhold his grace from me. Why do I think I have any right to fight, to get angry, to want to die or leave a church or fight change or cause factions, divisions, and turmoil? Because I don't think somebody else deserves that grace. I don't. And neither do any of us. So we see, we see what Jonah's doing. Um, let me look carefully. No, it's not. I, I thought this earlier in the week and I was wrong then too. Jonah doesn't get the last word. He's going to throw some stuff out here in a, in a, in a few weeks. And he, he's going to try. He thinks he, he's got him. But God, I, I love the ending in Jonah. It may be the worst ending ever in any book of the Bible. It just stops. I can't wait in three or four weeks when we get to that ending. It just stops. We don't know what happened to Jonah. I don't want to get ahead of it. But it's, 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 it's a wonderful wonderful uh, uh, literary device. Y'all, we cannot be Jonah. We cannot. We see some glimpses and, 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 and if we're honest, we have glimpses of good things too, but far too often we have let our our desire to contain God Really, we think we can contain him. Our desire to contain God, to to keep him within a probably a very small box that we have designed, we have fabricated. And when he starts breaking out of that box, we can't stand it. There ain't no box that can hold my God. And if we're going to try to do that, we're going to lose. We may not look like we're losing the battle. We may think, ha, we won. No, you didn't. You may have won the battle, but you lost the war. So, it just ends. You know, we're not moving on tonight. I know we've got time, but I only planned for those three verses because that was the section. I knew we wouldn't have time to finish the next section. So that's it. I, I, my encouraging word is that we don't have to be Jonah. And we may not be Jonah. Examine yourself. 
I, I can I can look around. I can I can hear what's said to me and around me and what gets to me through other people. And I can I can find some Jonah aspects. But God has not walked away from this church. He hasn't. And as long as there's one faithful person here, and I think we've got at least two or three, it's a joke. More than that. God's not going to leave this church. But it is an everyday decision, y'all. This isn't just, oh, okay, well, we'll, we'll, you know, uh, we'll, we'll call a new preacher and we'll, you know, we'll humor him on some of this, you know, whatever stuff that he's doing, but, you know, we're not going to really, well, humor and the new preacher don't impress Jesus. We've got to make a decision every day. I'm going to not try to withhold God's grace. I'm going to make sure that as far as it is up to me, First Baptist Church will be the most profligate purveyor of God's grace out there. We will be known for spreading seeds of God's grace. We will be known for saying anybody can come through those doors. We will be known for saying we love people. LOL. We know that used to that means laugh out loud, right? I mean, that's what it is on the Internet. I'll end with this. If we don't live love out loud, we're just a laugh out loud. We're a joke. We're a spiritual joke if we're not living out loud as God has called us to be. Loving out loud as God has called us to be living. So, I love Jonah. And, and by the end of this, y'all might or might not. We've got time for questions. I don't usually have this on Sunday nights. You know, we were going to make this more of a discussion and, then, and I never shut up. But uh, we've actually got time for some questions tonight if y'all want to ask them. Or comments, additions. I'll, I'm, I'm brave. I know. Uh, y'all, somebody, are you really going to let some? Yeah. We're not trying to beat the Methodist anywhere for dinner. We can. Okay. Well, that's all right. All right. Uh, Donald, I think we probably have a closing song. Come and lead us to it. Uh, and An invitation, a time of response, as I say every Sunday. Every time we open God's word, that's our opportunity to respond. We, we must respond. God says something to us through our, his word every time. So what's your response tonight? And Michael, he sure is a jerk. Well, that might be the correct response but, or, or an accurate response, but I don't know that would be the correct response. What, what are you going to do personally to not be a Jonah? What are you going to do personally that says our church is a place of abundant grace? for anyone because it's a decision every member has to make so as we sing stand let's let's uh, do our closing song that's your response tonight that's what you need to pray about uh, we'll sing and uh, Donald will close us in prayer and we will go eat if that's what we're going to do